This is Porter Block. I'm a New York-based musician, and I also am a huge music fan. This podcast explores music from every angle, and I'll be talking to people who've made the business of music the focus of their life. Welcome to In a State. Tiffany has been a pop star for three decades. Most of us of a certain age remember her from the late 80s, singing directly to her fans in malls and scoring two number one hits on her first record. She was cute and sexy, and everyone remembers the iconic cover of Tommy James's I Think We're Alone Now. What's interesting about Tiffany is that's where her story really begins. She has a deep catalog of nine records, soon to be ten, ranging in genre from pop, dance, country, singer-songwriter, and now rock and roll. We met at the Red Door, a rock and roll bar in her adopted town of Nashville, Tennessee. And here's what went down. Uh, Tiffany... Uh, international pop star for over three decades, over 15 million records sold, recorded nine studio albums. Amazing, and continues to play live and promote her music. You're obviously a lifer uh, in the music yes. business. What compels you to do this now for over three decades with the kind of passion that you have? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I love music. I mean, that's it's. there's never been a plan B for me. So it's always been about music. And I mean, I started when I was nine, got my record deal at 14. And I am a lifer. I mean, it really is. It's my whole life. Um, you know, I'm taking some time off here and there to be a mom, to just sometimes pull out of the music industry, soul search, find out what I want to do. I mean, I always wanted to sing. I used to run around the room, and, and my parents would be like, honey, please, sit down, please. And I'd be dancing and singing. There's um, medication I, for that now. Yeah, I was, like, obsessed <laughs> with music. I mean, I just listened to music, and I loved it. I was always practicing in my room, and I didn't know, like, really I wanted to be a singer, but I would say it to my friends, if that made sense. I mean, I didn't come from a musician family. We lived two hours outside of L.A. My right. family was middle class like they didn't know anything about this i'm totally the black sheep you were on star search i mean i lost star search that's really sad <laughs> she started singing at the ripe old age of two from norwalk california here's tiffany renee <laughs> melissa moultrie received four stars a perfect star <laughs> tiffany renee received Three and a quarter stars. Tonight's champion. You came in second, and always the person who doesn't win well, is the better only artist. Two of you, it's not hard to come in second. I went home and I cried after Star Search. I knew why I lost because the girl, she had projection, she had a stage presence. I had a voice that was different, and I hadn't really learned how to work an audience yet. So I just showed up and sang, and people were like, oh. But I didn't really know how to work an audience. And after Star Search, 
is when I really did start to like be more of myself and take chances on stage and talk a little bit and, you know, just have fun with a little bit. Yeah, you famously broke your record singing to fans in shopping malls, which is a, a genius idea, but maybe it was more born out of necessity given your age. Tell me about that tour. Did you have a band? Did you have a reasonable sound system? Between like 11 and 14, before I got my record deal, I really, you know, decided to like just go do more band stuff and it was all country music again that's what my parents love that's what they listen to so I was at hoedowns and festivals and all kinds of barbecues all kinds of stuff now the mall tour was different for me because it made sense it's where kids really hung out I was doing clubs in New York when I got the record deal they sent me to New York and Jersey I was doing all these cool clubs which was cool but I couldn't even hang in them and the music was great and everybody was like, yeah, you know, and then I couldn't really go in the club and sign autographs or hang out with anybody. So there was a detachment to the actual, you know, demographic, really. And that was a problem. My, my album was going to get shelved. I mean, that was it. Boom, out, you're done. And, and the kids were in the mall, so why not go yeah, to mean, the audience, Yeah, I mean, it made right? sense. It was my A&R guy, and he was walking through the mall. He goes, well, what about the mall? I mean, that's where, this is where her age group is. I was already hanging out at malls. I mean, we would go, share a Happy Meal, an Orange Julius, flirt, take numbers, you know, go to the record store, if you remember the record store. My girlfriend used to get so mad at me, my best friend, Sunita. Because she'd go, I don't know why you can't do this. I go, I don't know. I feel weird, dude. Just do it. I'd send her up to buy everything, and I would have like Iron Maiden. Woe to you, O Earth and Sea. You know, I would have Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Barbra Streisand, and then I would have like some random something metal band that I found that I was just like, this is cool. I don't know. They have blood here. Like I like them. They look mean. So then you're at a different level and you started probably playing bigger venues. What what was that like, that transition at such a young age? It made me really sad when the mall tour stopped because there was such an intimacy there, you know? Like to be able to, you know, do your show and then you walk over and you sign your autographs and you meet people and, you know. That's interesting. So you saw moving up to the arena as a... As a, it, as a distance, yeah. But it was a nice problem to have. I mean... Who doesn't want to walk out and it's, you know, 25, 30, 40,000 people. I mean, you know, I was doing big, big stadiums by then. It is different. It's a different energy. It's a different, it's not as intimate, you know, and I'm a very intimate kind of audience. I mean, I, I do really well in small clubs. I mean, I love big stadiums because it's more like when you're performing, it's like you're in a video. You do big gestures and it's like you're being filmed, you know, and that's the best way to play that. Um, because you're not going to have that intimacy. But in a small club where you can see people's you know, eyes rolling or them looking at their phones, it's more to man. It really is. you got to really work it. I read that you went on a tour with George Jones and Jerry Lee Lewis uh, in Alaska when you were 12 years old. I mean, given what we just discussed, what was that like? Oh, my gosh. It was am- I mean, to be, you know... Backstage and have like Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, Little Richard, uh, George Jones. I was really brought up old school country. Like I said, I would go out and do two songs. They were the headliners. And that was back when they would have festivals or fairs. And so they had a lot of local acts that would open up during the daytime. Did you learn anything? I mean, in those names, anything that you. 
I learned a lot of dirty words. They were the some of those were the rebels of you know, of their time. And you know, I was just a little girl sitting on a bench somewhere, taking it all in. But I heard all the conversations. I heard all the talk, the backstage talk, and and then to sit on the side of the stage and watch these performers perform. And again, I have to say, Jerry Lee Lewis, George Jones, Little Richard, all of these people, they work that crowd. They're not there to just perform. You're watching them. They are interacting with you, and they're milking you. And, it, it, I mean, it's, it's showmanship, and I, I learned that, you know, and I wouldn't have learned that not being in their presence. In a state. You sold millions of records. You were making a lot of money. What's it like being a kid? Anything? Were you careful? Were you frugal? I mean, do you look back on it a little bit differently now? It was, you know, it was hard. I mean, you had all this money and nobody tells you no. And you can be as crazy and excessive as you want. I mean, Hollywood in the 80s, hello. But, I mean, I always kind of, like, respected it a little bit that I was, like, you know, a goody two-shoes perception. Um, that wasn't my perception at well, the time. Well, I tried not to crash and burn and publicly put it that way. I was very secure about that. But, I mean, I'm a normal kid. You know, I'm a 16-year-old girl with a lot of money. So I stayed away from Hollywood. I mean, I'd go to the parties and everything like that. But to me, that just seemed like, oh, man, I'm going to totally crash and burn. So I would go where it was comfortable, you know, and I crashed and burned a couple of times. I mean, I really did. But it was all down the down low. <laughs> I mean, I've never been in rehab. You know, I've never been. But, yeah, I mean, I was a 16-year-old girl with money, and I experimented with drugs, and I experimented with alcohol, and I experimented with relation, bad relationships, you know. All of those things, it's just that, you know, you know that all of that is going to be in the public eye, and you're just finding your way. So it is, it's a tall order when you're a kid. I think it's a tall order at any age, really, but let alone when you're a kid, you're just like, I don't know, I'm finding my way. So, you know, I mean, I started to be more of a recluse a little bit. I lived in uh, Orange County in California, and I made everybody come to me, you know, for the most part. And I think that's, those are the years that you didn't really hear much from Tiffany. You famously got into a conflict with your parents. Um, as far as I know, it, it was precedential. I mean, did you, were you, was that the first time that someone divorced their parents or, let, or well, took their I mean, own yeah. custody? I do think that I was like, I set new rules for emancipation laws. Um, and, you know, that was just like really a big cluster, to be honest with you. I mean, I come from a family that was loving, wonderful people, but that we have alcoholism and we have a lot of crazy ways. People don't communicate, all these kind of things. You know, here all of a sudden I interject a musical career. With, and my mom's a housewife. I'm totally different than her. She's an, you know, introvert. I'm, I am an extrovert for sure. It was harder for her, period, let alone having alcoholism which you know a lot of times you stuff your emotions so I grew up with that 
I was never that, but I really did struggle with communication with my mom. Did you have others, who supported you during this time? I just wanted to live with my grandmother. I just wanted to be out of the crazy. I'm on the road and I'm going places and I'm getting off the plane and everybody's like, Tiffany, and it's amazing feeling. It's different than I ever thought I would feel, but it's exciting. And then when I went home, it was... It was the same old, same old, and there was no celebration, and I just couldn't emotionally handle it anymore. And I had an old school manager, which, you know, has benefited me now, but at the time was very harsh. George Tobin? George Tobin, and he was like, you put your personal stuff aside. You show up, you shine. I don't want to hear any problems. And I'm very much like that now. I mean, I can go from, you know, I don't try to, but I could go from fighting with somebody who's really important to me and tears and all kinds of crazy to 10 minutes later straight out to a stage you would never know I don't cancel shows I don't that's my happy place I want to get there let me think about it while I'm on stage that's going to do you well you almost do a better show sometimes I hate to say piss me off you know but (laughs) if you could really choose one kind of music what would because you're really an eclectic you've Nine records now working on your 10th as we speak. That's uh, quite a catalog. So where, where's really where your heart lies? I really think I've landed where my heart lies. I mean, The Color of Silence um, in 2000, critically acclaimed album, very proud of it. That was kind of the tip-off for me a little bit. This album is going to take you, and it's going to... Um, you'll hear some Fleetwood Mac references, Heart references, Led Zeppelin references. These are my bass. I've always... This is this is what I was always listening to. But it's very modern at the same time. We haven't went retro. I mean, this album just really came organically, realizing that all these people are somehow coming into my life that are like really cutting edge and kind of rocker and kind of the same like mind and my tour manager Mark Alberici was he's got a band called The Killing Floor and he was like you want to write some songs I was okay let's write some songs and we started writing this is definitely more of a rock based album but it's appropriate for me you know I'm not reinventing the wheel I'm not doing anything outrageous where you're like uh, I don't know this is Tiffany I think people are going to be a little shocked you know but those are the people that never bought my records to begin with my fans are not shocked people don't even know my voice you know they know I think we're alone now which I'm very grateful for but it certainly doesn't show range it certainly doesn't show my passion doesn't show my influences I'm a powerhouse vocalist and I'm a come at you kind of artist when I'm performing live on stage early on you did covers all those songs including Beatles songs it seemed like Color of Silence was the time that that started to really take hold for you a couple songs just that Piss You Off and Christening were two songs I listened to this is incredible songwriting well, thank you when did that become important to you, the idea that you were actually it's composing? Always been. It's always been. I mean, I started showing um, my producer, George Tobin, poetry that I was writing. Because, again, being inspired by Stevie Nicks, like, I would dissect her songs and go, I don't have a clue what she's talking about, but it seems so cool. I want to be a part of it. But, you know, I mean, so, you know, I, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. I'm a big Joni Mitchell fan. So it's all singer-songwriter and you know for me I was showing people things in the early days and they were smacking it down and and not wanting it from me and it was very frustrating for me you know what was the song that you wrote that you feel like you're like this I know how to do this now probably this new album 
honest with you, I mean, the color of silence, I'm very proud. Piss You Off is one of my songs. I was going through a divorce, and I, instead of going for a straightforward divorce, I was like, I want to make you miserable. He deserved it, okay, everybody? He deserved it. We're friends now. It's all good. You know, there was a lot of songs on Color of Silence that were like my coming out as a songwriter, but I've gotten better since then. You're going to see the true, I mean, the album's entitled Pieces of Me, and that's exactly what you're going to see. it with what could you think fill that soul what could you do I don't really know if there's much I could do the other thing that I would probably do would be something with like holistic healing and and natural medicine and stuff like that because I'm a big advocate about taking responsibility of your own personal you know health I'm not a big western medicine person I will use it everything has its time and its place but there's so much that we consume Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, that's where I kind of live. You know, for me, if I wasn't doing this, I would be hoping to shine a light in somebody's life and give them, you know, some encouragement to to be the best that they can be while they're here, make better choices. And, I mean, I'm sitting here drinking a beer with you. We're good. Gibson in Singapore. Uh, do you still enjoy that experience of getting on, you know, going on the road? You brought, are you going to tour this record? Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I've been touring for like the last year and a half. I haven't stopped. Um, it's rare, it's a rarity. I'm here in Nashville. No, no flying issues? Uh, no, no, I've uh, been flying, I've been doing busing, we've been driving, we've been. Planes, trains, and automobiles? Yeah, pretty much a little bit of everything. I'm committed 100%. I've got a great crew of people. Uh, you're doing co-writing. Are you pro- producing this record, or who's I'm co-producing this record? I, I don't play an instrument. Um, I play a little piano, but like enough to write. So, but I hear things. So I, I make an idiot out of myself. I'm all, can you play? You know, with the crunchy, you know. And I'm I'm around people who just laugh, but they indulge me. Um, I also have, you know, Mark Alberici, who again is my co-producer on this album, and his brother. Uh, Oliver Alberici has been writing, co-writing with this album and kind of overseeing a little some of the production, you know, um, Stephen Lywicki here in Nashville, um, which I did the country album with. I did a million Rose miles tattoo. with Rose Tattoo. It's been Mark and I and Oliver who have traveled all over the world, literally, and worked out of studios, Livingston, you know, and in, in outside of London. It's been Rockfield in Wales, Sunset Sound in California, Blackbird here in Nashville. I've never had that experience where I've stayed on the property, stayed overnight, like old school. This is something I've always wanted to do. We've been riding on the fly, literally. Uh, Mark has been booking studios that are very expensive on my dime, and we don't have the songs at all to cut. But I have such an extensive touring schedule. It's kind of gotten in the way of making this album in a weird way. 
so we're behind. But we have shown up and written in the studio before we track two hours before the band comes in. But it's been a system that has not failed us. Actually, we're addicted to it now. I had a great time talking to Tiffany. I want to thank her for coming on In State. She's fabulous and absolutely a pleasure to talk to. And I fulfilled somewhat of a lifelong crush in meeting her and getting a chance to do this interview. This is Porter Block broadcasting from New York City, having done the interview in Nashville. You can listen to my music on Spotify, iTunes, or any streaming service that you prefer. If you're listening to this podcast right now, 